0: Welcome to the Destiny Church
1: 217 podcast, where we share the Sermon of the Week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. This this week's final handout for our final installment on our family tree. We've covered the last, we will finish up the 20th century today talking about our heritage. If we forget our heritage, we forget who we are. And then if we don't know who we are, we don't know what we're capable of in the future, right? So that's important. It's important for any civilization to remain alive, and specifically uh, the Christian culture. And there are many who would want to... uh, rewrite our history, and so I'm going to give us a little bit of that today to be strengthened with. If you're ready, say amen. amen. Cicero, who was a, uh, lived 50 years before Christ, a Greek philosopher, said that if you, if you uh, are ignorant of what has occurred before you were born, you'll for, forever remain a child. You'll remain a child forever. So stop and think for a second. You take a dart and you throw it at the world map, the majority of the time, more than the majority of the time, your dart will land in a country that is hostile to Christians. Two-thirds of the country is hostile towards Christianity. We are blessed to live in a nation and on a continent where uh, we are relatively safe, but uh, it's because, to be honest with you, a lot of the world is run by a religion-based government, whether it's Muslim or Hindu or Buddhists. And so I'd like you just to think about that for a second. Let it sink in that two-thirds of the world is either severely unwelcoming towards Christians or you're shot on the spot if you're a Christian in two-thirds of the world. I've got a little bit of a map. This will show you... uh, the eastern side of the world, primarily in those colors and those charts show you where are the most dangerous places to live. Number one, North Korea, Afghanistan. Number two, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Sudan, Yemen, Iran, India, Syria, Nigeria, and on and on it goes for two-thirds of the world. That's pretty amazing. And, uh, You've heard the statistic, perhaps, that there have been more martyrs in the 20th century for Christianity than there have been in the preceding 19 altogether. Um, occasionally, you'll get a high-profile cl- case. You'll see something in the news about Christians being persecuted. But if you add up the martyrs for the first 19 centuries from AD 33 to 1900, you'll have about 14 million martyrs. Now, if you take the last century, the 20th century, Documented is 26 million, but most estimates will put it at about 45 million Christians martyred in the last century, when in fact in the first 19th century it was only 14 million. So uh, let's start and we'll dig into some of what's going on uh, in the last 100 years. This is our final installment where our uh, series on Martyrs is concerned, and we just had Thanksgiving. Speaking of Turkey, uh, I wouldn't mind visiting Turkey, the land of Turkey. There's a lot of Christian things that happened in Turkey, but something pretty crazy happened at the turn of the century, of the 19th century. The, the Muslims who were in charge of Turkey, a la the Turks. So, when you, by the way, when you read about uh, the Turks as it relates to um, the Crusades back, in, those are the Muslims. it's synonymous in that context. So the Turks said, you know what, there's just way too many Christians around here. And that photograph that you look at right there was taken in 1930, not even 100 years ago. These are Christians being hung in the town square in Turkey. And uh, over the course of what happened there, 1.9 million Christians were systematically killed In the book, Their Blood Cries Out by Paul Marshall, he writes, although Turkey today is a country with relatively few Christians, that was not always the case. A hundred years ago, Turkey was 30% Christian. Today, the population is 0.03%. Just a few years later, in 1917, we're going to skip around. We're going to skip around the globe today. In 1917, uh, you hear of a man named Lenin. Lenin picked up where Marx started, and Lenin uh, began an atheistic, the very first communist country in 1917 with what you may have heard is the Bolshevik Revolution. This is how it all began in Russia back in the day and for the next 70 years, Leninism began suppressing and looking for exiling and killing as many as 20 million Christians. Right before World War II in Spain, on the European continent, there was a man by the name of Francisco Franco. He was a dictator of Spain from 1936 to 1939. Here's a photograph. It's, It's quite iconic. It shows the communist firing squad aiming at, quote, the monument of the sacred heart. So if you can't tell, there's a figure of Christ on the top of that monument, and Franco sent a firing squad out to shoot Jesus up in 1936 it's actually published in the daily mail and this was the headline he murdered I'm talking about Franco now. He murdered 13 bishops, 4,172 priests, 2,364 monks, and 283 nuns. Protestant churches burned to the ground. Estimates put the Christian martyrs in Spain during those four years, somewhere between 250,000 to 400,000 Christians killed. In the meantime, the Vietnam War starts here. For us, 1955 to 1975, a long and horrible war for us, kept the nation's attention riveted on Vietnam, which gave rise to a man in, the, in China by the name of Mao. Mao Zedong. Z-E-D-O-N-G, Mao, Chairman Mao, 1966. So as the Korean War is going on, our focus is there, Mao starts up in China, and of course he's funneling things to North, North Vietnam, and it's a startling number, and I'd like you just to pause for a second, that he murdered approximately 55 million Christian Muslims, or Christians, rather. 55 million Christians. How, how, how many is that? How many is that during his 10 years? Well, I looked it up. The population of Illinois is 12 million. 12, 24, 36, 48. He killed 55. The population of Illinois, Christians, just Christians, murdered over the course of 10 years. So why do communists hate us so much? This is not a political message. I'm just talking about our Christian tradition, and I'm talking about those who have been adversarial towards us, primarily communism. Communism hates us because they hate theists, and we are theists. Why? What does that mean? That means we believe in theo. We believe in God. We're theists. Now, if you don't believe in God, etymologically speaking, the prefix A stands for not, or n- you aren't that. So an A theist is like an ag agnostic. An agnostic, gnostics believe in knowledge. An agnostic, an agnostic doesn't believe that you can know about God, right? So here we have we have atheists, atheists hating us. Why? Because we won't bow to their god. We won't bow to their god of government. Because in an atheistic environment, who is the supreme ruler? Chairman Mao. And we worship Chairman Mao, or whoever is at the top of the pecking order. Caesar back in the day. Well, incidentally, of course, the Romans didn't necessarily mind uh, other gods. They just had to make sure Caesar was at the top of the list. Right? So their false god of religion that we will not bow to um, makes them hate us and persecute us and want to rewrite our history, to be quite honest with you. So as Mao, Chairman Mao was murdering 55 million Christians in China, this is getting uh, closer to my memorable ages in the 70s. Anybody remember a man by the name of Idi Amin? Idi Amin. Idi Amin began his Holocaust in the African nation of Uganda from 1971 to 1979. Idi Amin was the self-appointed dictator. What a, what, what a position, right? Self-appointed dictator of Uganda. And in his coup in 1971, he wanted, he was a Muslim, and he wanted Uganda, which, by the way, is right next to Kenya. And I preached just a few miles from there uh, when I was in Kenya on the northern border up by Mount Eldon, E-L-D-O-N, uh, one of the highest, I think it's 14,000 feet. Regardless, this is what Idi Amin did. He wanted to turn his country, by, by the way, he was being backed by uh, Saudi Arabia and Libya. Surprise, surprise, right? He was being funded because he didn't have any money. And uh, incidentally, there are, there are Muslim Villages in Africa today that are sustained by Muslim dollars because they want the village to be converted to to Islam And so they give a cow if you will convert to Islam we will give you a cow and so the whole village converts to to Islam Okay back to topic Idi Amin wanted to turn his country to into a Muslim run state But he had a problem It was full of Christians, so he had to kill three hundred thousand Christians in five years, which he did. Now, my high school years, nineteen seventy-six to nineteen eighty, a man came to power. His name was Pol Pot. Pol Pot was the dictator of Cambodia. Have you ever heard of the Killing Fields? This is the man that ran them. I have a few photographs that are that you can go see today. The first is of this tree has little bracelets all over it. This was the killing tree against which executioners would beat the children. They would pick them up by their ankles and swing them around and smash their head into the tree. The communists did this. Pol Pot did that to our children. Why? They didn't do anything wrong. They were Christians. The mass graves that are there, a lot the, the killing fields, here's just one of Hundreds of monuments around the country, 86 mass graves here at this particular location with almost 9,000 victims. So they dig a hole, you as the Christian, you would dig your own grave, dig a big, big, big hole, the 100 of you would, and then they would line you up and then they would just execute you, shoot you in the back of the head, and you'd fall into the hole. Next slide. This is what the, the, the holes would look like today dig holes, and then they found out the bullets were too expensive. So they got you down on your knees, you crossed your ankles in the back, and then they just took a baseball bat and clubbed you at the base of your head, snapped your neck, and then you would fall into the hole. Why? Because you were a Christian. Because you were a Christian. You didn't do anything wrong. You just said Jesus was Lord, not Pol Pot. Next slide. Some of the exhumed skulls. They just go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. How many? Two million over the course of four years. So nine out of 10 Cambodian Christians who were discovered were martyred. You know what that means? In this room today, if there's 200 of you, that means the two of you would survive. Everyone else would be executed. One, You, st- you stood a one in 10 chance. One in 10 chance to survive. Untold millions have died because of Islam. Islam hates Christianity. I'm not here to unpack that entire suitcase and I'm willing to say the things that I do today because they're a truth that Islam is a false religion. It was invented in 610, 610 years after Christ, Islam was invented. In Sudan, you see a photograph there which is 97% Muslim, 1.3 Christians have been killed, and a lot of them by execution because of Islamic law. Islamic law is the same as saying Sharia. Those terms are interchangeable. So you say Islamic law, you're saying Sharia law. It actually prescribes the death penalty for anyone who becomes a Christian. The Quran, which I will quote, Chapter 4, verse 89 says, Seize them and kill them wherever you find them. Speaking of you and me. Dateline, Yambio, Sudan. Marauding bands of Muslims have crucified seven Christians in a village in Sudan. One of the men was tied to a tree and mutilated while six other victims were nailed to pieces of wood, fastened to the ground, and then killed. Villagers who found their bodies said it was a grotesque crucifixion scene. A local pastor says, quote, it is hard to take in the fact that we are so exposed to such a risk, he said. The attackers clearly wanted to kill the people because they knew they were Christians. This year, in June, excuse me, January uh, 22nd in South Sudan, Islamic raiders killed 28 Christians in South Sudan. Islamic extremists killed and raided Christian community in uh, Yiyapabul in South Sudan, killing at least 28 residents and torching 57 houses. That's what this fine print at the bottom says. 57 houses torched. Why? Because you're a Christian. Because you love Jesus in the Sudan. Article after article, another one, where 17 young people were captured in their early 20s. One of the captives was tied to the tree nearby, executed, while the 16 other youths from the group are still missing. That's just year. I know it doesn't make the news, you know. This is your family, this is my family. These are my brothers, my sisters. Now go to North Korea. You've seen perhaps a photo that looks like this. The black area where the word north is, that's, land, that's a landmass called North Korea. That's how backward and dark it is from a satellite photograph. The bottom is South Korea, Seoul being the brightest spot. But North Korea, it's a very, very dark place. Christians, including children as young as three, are sent to prison camps. Three-year-olds. Currently, there's 70,000 Christians being held in prison camps. And according to Asian news, every Catholic priest in North Korea was executed. Public execution, just in June. Her name, Rai Han-uk, 33 years old. She was a wife, a mother of three little babies. She was publicly executed in North Korea. You know why? Because she gave somebody a Bible. She gave someone a Bible and was caught doing so, and they publicly executed her. Then they took her parents, her husband, and her three little babies, and sent them off to a concentration camp, a work camp. I told you last week there's only four churches in North Korea, Catholic, two Protestant, and one Orthodox. They're only open to foreigners because North Korean citizens are forbidden to attend. The services are only used to bring in foreign currency from foreign visitors. Bibles, they're banned in North Korea. If you have one in your possession, you're either executed or you're sent to a work camp. Let's bring it home. Jeffrey Fowle, F-O-W-L-E. Jeff, Jeff uh, and his wife, Tatiana, uh, they're from Miamisburg, Ohio. He worked for the Moraine, Ohio Municipal Street Department. He and his wife were touring North Korea And they were detained for 170 days. That's five and a half months. He was separated from his wife and children, put in solitary confinement for proselytizing, which is trying to convince someone from their religion to Christianity. And you know how he did that? He just left a Bible in a bathroom and left. The overseers found it, connected him to it, put him in prison for five and a half months. See, if we don't tend our roots, uh, we're going to fail. Let's go back to China for a second. Well, there's churches in China. Well, 57,000 churches in China, to be exact. But here's here's the caveat. They've got to belong to the Communist Party. What do you mean? They're churches. They have to belong to the Chinese Party? Yes, they have to. And by the way, the Chinese Party forbids teachers and soldiers from becoming Christians. You are forbidden to be a Christian if you live in China and you're a soldier or a teacher. And under Chinese law, it's illegal for minors to receive religious education. You could be shot to death for teaching your child the Lord's Prayer. Townhall.com reports the gloves have come off. That's in quotes. What exactly has been taking place in China? Over 2,000 crosses have already been burned and ripped down from church buildings. Thousands of churches have been demolished. Thousands of pastors already have been arrested, beaten, tortured, and sentenced to years in prison. There are 600 million closed-circuit television cameras that blanket China. That's one for every three people. How many of you think that you could leave here today and go home without being seen on a camera? You're fooling yourself. And in America, the ratio is one to 60. There's one camera for every 60 people in America, 350 million people. In China, it's one to three. Everywhere you go, Big Brother's watching you. And by the way, if you're one of the 57,000 sanctioned Catholic churches, guess what? You have to have their cameras in your church so they can see who's coming to the church. because it's considered suspicious if you go to religious activities. Chinese Christians will not only be able soon to purchase their own communism-friendly version of the Bible that I told you about. Last week, here's the quote. You know in John, chapter eight, verses seven through 11, the woman was caught in adultery. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more, and everyone disperses. Here's the quote from the Chinese government's new version published in September of 2020. The Chinese Communist Party version of the Bible recounts John 8:11 like this. And when everyone went out, Jesus stoned the woman himself and said, I am also a sinner. The CCP version. Chinese Catholic people. There it is. If you rent a venue to a Christian for a religious event, you'll be you'll be fined thirty thousand dollars. That's American money. Also, anyone who even organizes an unapproved religious event will be fined four thousand. Excuse me, forty-three thousand five hundred dollars. Here's a letter from an underground pastor in China. Things are getting tighter here now, everywhere, and everyone facing persecution. Brothers and sisters are facing difficulty, suffering for their faith. My sister and her husband, along with three others, were put in jail for their gathering together, about 30 people, and their stuff was taken away with a few big trucks. They were severely beaten and shocked by electronic sticks with heads bleeding and arms in painful positions. They were released after 10 days. Both were near death, but told by authorities that they had to immediately leave their city and district. Beat them within an inch of their life. Why? Because they had a gathering of, of Christian believers. Put them in prison for 10 days and then said, don't go home. You can't go home. You need to leave. I don't care where you go, but you have to go someplace other than here. After 10 days, they were released, told by authorities they had to immediately leave their city and district. All this for holding a Christian meeting in their home. We are aware that China can give the appearance of allowing religious freedom, but what is clear is that millions of our brothers and sisters in this country are really suffering. Please pray for us. I have a, a little two-minute video of a religious situation in China. I'd just like to show it to you real quick. Take a look at this. They started a Christian school underground. Turn the volume up, please. Thank you.
0: Despite these horrendous conditions, Christians are standing firm and the underground church is flourishing. Under God's protective cover, hidden places of worship are all over China.
2: I pray and realize that the church needs a school to train pastors. Through confidence in Christ, I decide to risk building a Bible training center on the ground.
3: Did I fell Be careful.
0: At the end of this tunnel is a cave never before visited by anyone from the outside world it lies approximately 30 feet underground dug entirely by hand it has no structural support and little in the way of clean air
2: many brothers from the church came to dig for a month they sleep in the daytime and work hard at night we pray for God's protection every day for this cave and so far the Lord protects us
0: by the grace of god it has served as a seminary for more than 20 years it has never been discovered
2: I'm a teacher in the underground Bible school. During the year, I only see the sun in the sky for six days when we have a break from the training. Every six months, we teach 80 to 100 students. The training is intensive. Every day from 5.30 a.m. to 10 p.m. non-stop. The underground room is about 15 by 15, only two meals a day, no shower at all. We have no money as the church are very poor. Many times we eat the food for feeding pigs when we are sick we have no money and it's very risky to see a doctor we were just praying for healing from our Lord
1: 530 a.m. to 1030 p.m. eating food that's supposed to be for pigs seeing daylight six days a year gosh we certainly have first world problems don't we Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a 39-year-old Lutheran pastor. He was hung to death on April 10, 1945 by the Nazis in Flossenberg Concentration Camp. With no witnesses being called, no records being presented, no proceedings or even an opportunity to, for, to, for defense, Bonhoeffer was stripped of his clothing, led naked at dawn to his execution yard where he was hung to death a fellow prisoner and doctor, friend of Bonhoeffer's, writes this. I saw Pastor Bonhoeffer kneeling on the floor, praying fervently to God. I was most deeply moved by the way this lovable man prayed, so devout, so certain that God would hear his prayer. At the place of his execution, he again said a short prayer and then climbed the steps to the top of his gallows, brave, composed, He was then hung. His death ensured after a few seconds, in almost 50 years that I have worked as a doctor, I have never seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. Jim Elliott died January 8th, 1956. He was American Christian who graduated from Wheaton College just up the road. Him and five other gentlemen went to evangelize the Harani people of Ecuador. They eventually took his life, martyred for the cause of Christ. In his journal he wrote, he is no fool who gains what he cannot keep, who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which we cannot lose. In India today, recent newspaper attacks, uh, articles about Christians being attacked during worship. Killing 91 Christians, wounding 18,000 others, 60,000 Christians driven from their homes. Recently, 100 churches set a fire, attacked. 4,000 acts of violence against Christians. Today, in India, the Christian council reports a 20% increase of attacks on Christians, reported 40% rise in violence against Christians, and found that the killing of Christians has increased 100% in India. Now, on to the 21 Egyptian Christians who were martyred in February of 2015. You've seen their photo. That looks like this so many things I could show you that you probably watch in the movies, but you'd be revolted to see in church for some sort of paradoxical reason. Opted not to show you what happened that day. Instead, I wanna show you the wives of some of these martyrs, what they had to say. And how proud they were that their husbands got to die for the cause of Christ. Let's watch this. you got to read fast.
3: I'm. <laughs> جد يعني أنا عرفت مسيحيتي ليه جوزي مش شهيد جوزي ما مش في حادثة أشكر ربنا وربنا لي بنتي ويحفظ علي وأشكر ربنا لأنه فعلا ده أنا من ما خدته هو بيحكي له عن رب بيحكي له عن المعجزات بيحكي له عن كل حاجه فأنا قربت منه وحبته وهو الفرق صعب فعلا وهيفضل صعب لغتها خفا لكن أنا مزعلان إحنا بنفتخر we أصلاً to be able to get have to be able to get to the same thing. We have to be able to get to the same thing. We have داش مو أصل، دا مش، موت. دا استشهاد، دا استشهاد، قعدوا خمستاشر يوم على سبيل، خمستاشر يوم ما، الليش بربي مايا مايا كده مش بريدة، ربنا كان عطوا ملء عشان عايزو لكن ربنا فعلا فعلا عايزو في الوقت ده وعايزين يكفوا زي القصص كده وربنا عايزه عايزو يساعده وانا مش زعلان ولا عمري هزعل انا مرشيه هو انا هستاهل وربنا مش بيسيب واحنا كمسيحين احنا قواه احنا مش زعلان ولا عشان قاعدين في بيتنا ولا بنصبر بخلاص لحظه بابا ده احنا بنفتخر ده انا هطلع وارهين وارهين وانا مرش الشهيد هو انا هستاهل انا ما كنتش هستاهلش عزة بشر نصيف هقول يا بختك بجد يا بختك بنتك لما تكبر هتتشرف بيكي عزت وهتقول أنا بيا شهيد وانا هرفع راسي وكل ما مكان هقول انا مرة الشهيد عزت هيرجعوا للمسيح هييجوا هييجوا وهيندموا وهيبقوا هيبقوا على الخطيه اللي عملوها كلها يرجع أكيد وأنا مسامحهم أنا ما جويش مفيش غل جواي نشكر ربنا وربنا مشي سيدنا معي أمرت الشيء التدرس وأصل كان يحب أولاده قوي فأمانك كان حناي وامين كانش يعرف إلا ان يكون لك من اجل ان يكون لك من اجل ان يكون لك من اجل ان يكون لك في اجل يا شفيع يا من اجل ان الله لك من اجل ان يكون من الطريق الصالح. هو في احلى حته أختار ربنا ليه فهم. ونشكر ربنا اللي هو ربنا وصلوا اللي هو فيه ربنا يلمس قلبهم ويهديهم هم حرجونا فعلا بس ربنا يمد ايده ربنا باذن الله ما يسيبنيش ولا انا ولا ولادي هو أكثر واحد من فرحان في ساعه الاستشهاد وقت نظر المسيح والعذره والسمك كانت مفتوحات فتح صدره ولا هم حاجة
1: Forgive them that killed my husband. I don't deserve the honor of being married to a martyr. What? We've got it so easy here, people. So easy. You're in more danger when you're comfortable than when you're persecuted. So how do we respond, I guess, is the question of the day. Ephesians 5 says, wake up, O sleeper, arise from the dead. He's saying, hey, let me get your attention here for a second. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. The days are evil. Therefore, do not be fooled. don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The theme for this series, for us today and for our lives, in the end will be that obedience to Jesus will cost you. If it's not costing you, are you really a Christian? Martyrdom, well, that's a gift you give once. A lot of people say, oh Jesus, I will die for you when in fact Jesus actually wants you to live for him. Could it be, it might be a smidgen harder to live for him than die for him, just take me out, just take me out, boom. I don't have any more temptation, I don't have any more trials, I have no more deficits, I have no persecution. Isn't it actually every day? Yeah, here's the, here's the reality. The fact, the fact is We have a responsibility, number one, to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters. Why? 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one part suffers, they all suffer. I think I broke my tailbone roller skating two weeks ago. My entire body has been suffering because of that little bone at the base of my spine. I mean, I'm in pain standing here in front of you right now. Sitting down, I'm 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 a little bit embarrassed. Not I'm, you know, old people do stuff like this. I had to go to the, the I had to go to the pharmacy and buy one of those rubber rings to sit on. Isn't that what old people do? Yeah, that's what old people do. Why? Because I was foolish enough to strap roller skates to the bottom of my feet. The point is that when one part of the body suffers, the entire body suffers. And if you don't hear this, you don't see this, you don't sense this, you don't know the pain that the body is having other, in the other two-thirds of the world. So this is not a doom and gloom message. This is a call to action for you to suck it up, buttercup. Right? We got first world problems. These guys got problems so we pray and then we actually live for Jesus the fact is that you will sacrifice and here's only two ways to do it a you'll be a martyr or b according to romans 12:1 you'll make your life a living sacrifice you are destined to be a sacrifice they will martyr you they will kill you for your faith or you will kill yourself daily you will put yourself daily on the altar and sacrifice your own desires According to Romans 12:1 I really don't want to meet the savior who gave me everything having lived a life that cost me nothing. Obedience to Jesus should cost you. I mean, what a tragedy that those who've been blessed the most would do the least for Christ. What a tragedy for people that have so much to do so little. I mean, to be honest with you, if if I was in one of those other two-thirds of the world, third-world country under some sort of Muslim regime, I'd be a little ticked at America, a little irritated at America, how soft they are. So that's why we have to do three things. That's why giving, serving, and risking are so important to our spiritual health. See, if the persecuted Christians have their homes burned, taken by force, can't we at least choose to be generous to the kingdom of God? If our persecuted brothers and sisters are in prison while we're free, can't we at least offer every day to work for his kingdom? If persecuted believers have the pains of beatings and torture, I can at least press through my tiredness and get myself to church. So here's how we end with three questions. What are you giving? It's not rhetorical. It demands an answer. And so you have space on your paper to write what it is. I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to have you turn your papers in and grade them because the Holy Spirit knows your heart. What are you giving? What is it costing you to be a Christian? What are you giving? Where are you serving? Where are you serving the church? And what are you risking? I guess that's the big one. Because the other two could be safe. But I learned a long time ago the word word risk is spelled F-A-I-T-H. What are you believing God for that's bigger than you? What are you risking? Where have you rolled the proverbial dice and said, God, if you don't show up, we're going to be in a whole heap of trouble. But God says, no, I told you, go do that. You're going to be okay. You're going to be all right. Just go do, go say what I told you to say. Go be what I told you to be. Go give what I told you to give. Go serve what I told you to. And if it all starts to fall apart, you you rest in the knowledge that God sent you to Pharaoh. And it may take 10 trips and some pestilence But didn't he give you everything anyway? In fact, didn't he risk it all anyway for you? He risked it all. He came from heaven to earth to show you the way. To do what? To show you the way of what? Of how to give, how to serve, and how to live a life of faith. What are you risking? Some of you are already turned your minds off. You folded your paper. You're done. This is not a presentation. This is not a lecture. This is something designed to pierce your heart. And if it all, all it is is another lecture and a Sunday morning sermon, you got the wrong pastor. Amen. What I've done for the last three weeks, National Day of Prayer for the Martyrs of the World, was the first Sunday in November. What I've done intentionally over the last six weeks is bring you to a point that makes you evaluate how soft you are, how soft I am. Boy, I had to come down here yesterday afternoon and turn the heat on in the middle of my Saturday Thanksgiving weekend so you guys could have a 70 degree room today because of the boilers. Woe is me, there ought to be a better and a more highly efficient way to heat that building than those boilers, boo hoo hoo, Eric. You had to take an hour out of your life, to drive down here, turn the, open all the doors and turn the fans on, turn the boiler on so you all could be comfortable. Comfortability should not be our goal, ladies and gentlemen. Giving, serving, and risking should be your goals. It's a three-legged stool. You must have all three of them. So if you're not actively involved in giving of yourself, giving of your time, of your talent, of your resource... And even if somebody doesn't come along and pat you on the, well, pastor didn't even shake my hand last week. Well, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. What are you serving? Where are you serving? Without thanks. Well, they didn't write me a thank you card. They didn't say thank you to me. Don't they see that I do that every single week? I'm back there and I'm doing that. And da, da, da. That's not the attitude I want. If y'all never said thank you to me, I'd be okay. I really want to believe in my heart of hearts. I'd be okay. Never gave me a pastor appreciation gift. Never said way to go. Never, I I, I didn't sign up to do this for you. I did this for him. This is where you need to be in your life and your ministry. Where are you looking to get accolades from? Where are you serving? I intentionally left myself time at the end of the sermon just to sit here and harangue us all about how soft we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guilty. Guilty. Yeah? yeah. yeah. It, it, any recovering addicts? First step, admit it. Huh? First step, admit it. Yeah, guilty. That's me. And risking. Oh, man. The the things you will regret at the end of of your life are the things that you did not attempt to do. Not the things you attempted to do and failed, but the things you will regret at the end of your life are the things that you never, you said, ah, man and then you decided you just weren't gonna do it. It Wasn't worth the risk. Mm. he gave you all. If you already, here's here's, here's, here's here's the position I try to remind myself of often, is that is you're already dead. So if you count yourself already co-crucified with Christ, then what can the world possibly do to you? What could they possibly, well, they're going to, well, they may torture you. They may beat you. They may fire you from your job. They may freeze your assets after all the money goes digital, which will happen during your lifetime. And then it's just a press of the button that says, no, I'm sorry, you can't buy that. Oh, I'm sorry, you can't give to that. That church didn't sign the document that said that they'll marry homosexuals. So we don't allow government giving to that church. I'm sorry you can't buy that car. It guzzles too much gas. And they just flip little switches and tell you what you can and can't do. It's all, it's coming your way. You know. I know we don't like to be reminded about stuff like this because we don't like being in this kind of angst in our heart and our spirit. But this is the world we live in, right? This is where we live. And this is where Christianity can make a difference for you. You're sitting here today and you're not a Christian. said That does not sound very appealing, pastor. I'm not here to make it sound appealing to you. I'm here to tell you the truth. And the truth is this, that if you die without Christ on the throne of your heart, you will spend your eternity in hell. Separated from everything you know that is good and right, holy, just, and pure. But you say, you know what? There is a God in heaven. I am not an accident. Just lay on your back like when you were eight years old and look up at the stars on a summer night. You're not an accident. God brought you into this world with a purpose and a design to do and to be something. And that has to be an act of goodness and kindness and a representative of his kingdom. You're an ambassador from a land that you don't, you, I, you don't belong here. I do not belong here. And if you want to run with the crowd that does belong here, your priorities are screwed up. You're trying to run with the wrong crowd. How about you run with the crowd that stands for righteousness, peace, and the joy of the Holy Spirit? I've shown thee, O man, what is good, and just what I require of thee, do justly, love mercy, and walk in humility. That's not the, that's not the chorus you hear from the, from the telescreen every night. The God of this age where every chair in your front room is pointed at it in homage. We've got to shake ourselves, church. Capital C, body of Christ, in America today. To throw a dart at some place and go live there. You you know how blessed you are just because you you live in this country? How blessed we are just be able to to walk 300 feet to our car and drive wherever we want without having to show our papers. (laughs) And what do we do with that is we become comfortable and you're so much more in danger when you're comfortable than when you're persecuted. I'm here just to remind you it's on the horizon and it's coming and you must be prepared to be forewarned is to be forearmed. Know who you are in Christ. There is a there is a culture of death out there that just wants to devour babies, kill babies and think that's okay. That want to continue to keep you on the nipple of government because if you keep drinking the breast milk of the government, you you can never wean yourself off of what it is that they gave you. Yeah, I'm in Facebook jail right now. I don't care. (laughs) 90 days, they gave me 90 days. I got a television program and I can speak to thousands of people until they take this off the air. Well, I don't know. We must be speakers of truth, ladies and gentlemen. So stand with me, my time has expired. And I leave you with three words, they're on the screen. Giving, serving, and risking. Would you please do yourself a favor? Do me a favor, do your wife, do your children a favor, and ask each of them those three questions. Maybe devotions before you go to bed tonight. You go in the kid's room. Hey, kids, we really love Jesus, don't we? Yeah. What are we we doing to give to him? How do we give to him better? How do we serve him better? Are we actively stepping out in faith in our life? Are we risking something for the cause of Christ? That's what I hope. And so many of you, you're there. But... In general, all of us, no matter where we are on the spectrum, need to be encouraged today to say, you know what, we got it pretty easy here. We got it pretty darn easy here. So Father, right now we pray for those living in places in the world where it's very hard. Our brothers and sisters have no money, have no food, have no home. Their children separated in a work camp somewhere unable to read the Bible even talk about Jesus or to gather in your name we lift them up and we pray that you would give them strength and encouragement even let them know Father that right now we're praying for them we lift up the persecuted church around the earth and pray God that your grace would be there to strengthen them in their moment of tribulation great tribulation and torture perhaps that you would give them strength not to deny your name for those of us here Lord living with our first world problems we repent of being so petty at times we ask that you would give us clarity today about how it is that we're giving how it is that we're serving and how it is that we're living a life of faith for you if you've never given your life to Jesus this is the moment see I need that level of determination in my heart in my life to serve the king regardless of what comes my way The question is not whether or not you will have the faith to endure the torture but the faith to endure the daily dying god give us strength for that today i raise my hand today god showing you in a very particular way i am i am needy i have a deficit god i am way too soft help me to strengthen my determination for you to be full of grace towards those who are far less fortunate If you wanna give your life to the Lord this morning, raise your hand with me. Father, we stand here today unashamed that if we, if, we, 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 if we can't do it here in this place, how could we ever do it any other place, in this most secure place, in this sanctuary? We lift our hand and say, yes, I will love you. I will serve you. I will always honor you in your word and I'll most likely fail at it on occasion. But I trust in your forgiveness and I accept your forgiveness And today I choose to live as a Christian in this nation, giving, serving, and going, risking it all for your glory. And now may each of us, as we leave this place today, in the spirit of giving thanks, heading into a holiday where we celebrate the incarnation where heaven came to earth, may we be mindful of all the blessings that we have. And we ask it in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, your
0: place for real, relevant relationships.